however children, you know, come into this world, they need a family and, and those that are willing to step forward and, and assume someone that may not have come from them, but will come to them. We, we applaud that every day. Did you finally realize your dream of having a family only to have your happily ever after turn into a nightmare? Do you find yourself up late at night wondering why nothing you try as a parent is working? Are you searching for adoption resources and a support team but can't find any? Hi neighbor, welcome to Anchors of Encouragement. I'm Tim Maudlin, husband, adoptive parent, Bible class teacher, and the persistent encourager. I too felt the joy of having a family of my own and I wished we could be like other adoptive families. I knew we were doing our best, but nothing seemed to work. And I kept asking myself, why is this happening to us? In Anchors of Encouragement, my mission is to throw adoptive parents a lifeline and be your anchor, to offer biblical mindset support and to provide stability when life gets unstable. If you're ready for real and raw talk that leads to peace beyond comprehension, so you not only survive but thrive in life's storms, this podcast is for you. Hope and healing are on the way. Hi, neighbor. Welcome to another episode of Anchors of Encouragement. One of the goals of this podcast is to provide resources for you on your adoption journey. On a regular basis, I share with you biblical mindset support. But I realize there are other resources that you need, resources that I don't have the expertise to speak about. Today, I have a guest who can. Joining me in this episode is Rita Sorenen. She is the president and CEO of the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption. Rita shares with us information and resources that I wish had been available to me when I adopted many years ago. This is an episode where you're going to want to take notes, and as is the case with anyone that I bring on this show to talk to you, I encourage you to do your due diligence, to listen to the information, check out the resources, and use what you can in your adoption journey to parent your child the best way you can. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Rita Sorenen. Joining me today is my neighbor from Ohio, Rita Sorenen. She is the president and CEO of the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption. I would like to read a little bit from her bio before we begin the the conversation today. For more than 30 years, Rita has worked on behalf of abused, neglected, and vulnerable children, providing leadership for local, state, and national efforts, working to improve the juvenile justice and child welfare, welfare systems while striving to assure safe and permanent homes for America's children. I want to thank you for joining me, Rita. When I read your bio, one of the things that struck me is that for the better part of your adult life, you have been involved with finding homes for children who need the love and care of someone. And I'm curious, as we begin our conversation, if you could speak to what started you on this path. 
Yeah, thank you. And it's still, I'm delighted to be with you, Tim. Thank you for having me today. Listen, I'm, I was not an adopted child. Um, uh, I'm not a social worker, but I was one of those kids much, I think, to the dismay of my parents came out kicking and screaming. That's not fair when it had to do with something about children. I, I just have always been uniquely concerned about children getting a fair shake. Um, and so that extended as I was trying to find my journey through this life extended, um, when my my first daughter was born. Um, I was a brand new mother. She was an infant. We had just moved back to Columbus, Ohio, where we're located now. And there was a horrible case of abuse of an infant in Columbus, Ohio. And in fact, the infant passed away. So I was finely tuned at that point, given my circumstance of having an infant at home, having my sort of soul being very committed to the rights of children, and immediately began volunteering with what was then the um, Ohio chapter of the National Committee to Prevent Child Abuse. What can we do to keep parents from hurting their children? What supports do they need? How do we keep kids safe? And so started there. Um, it built on my internal passion, and I didn't realize the path that it would put me on to where I am today. So spent a number of years in child abuse prevention, really learning about the dynamics of abuse and neglect, the kinds of behaviors that, that um, you know, families experience or the circumstances they experience that, that lead them to having an unsafe perhaps home for their children. And then after that, went on and became the director of the local court-appointed special advocates program. How do we provide volunteers um, that are professional volunteers, essentially, that advocate for children when they're involved in court proceedings, speak up for those children, tell the judge, help the judge understand what's best for these children. So really honed some skills there of, okay, child abuse, uh, prevention has failed these children. Now they're in the court system with their families. How do we get them back home safely? Or what does the judge need to do in order to assure their ongoing safety? was there nearly a decade. And then this opportunity came my way here in Columbus, Ohio, to join the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption, which is a national nonprofit public charity that's fo focused exclusively on um, children who are in foster care who've been freed for adoption, and now they need homes. And just was honored that I was selected to lead this organization uh, 20 years ago um, and really look at all of those dynamics. So for me, it's just been this full circle of allowing the passion that was in me to open up the doors that, that, that started to march in front of me. Uh, but, but I always hang my head a little bit and say, I wasn't adopted. No one in my family, immediate family was adopted. Um, but I have this passion for children that are just vulnerable and families that are vulnerable and needing, needing our community care. I would call that a James 127 heart, you know, pure and undefiled religion is to visit the fatherless and these kids uh, whether they have biological parents or not, circumstances have made it so that they need someone else to help them. And I'm sure part of this mission is to reunite them, if at all possible, Absolutely. with their biological parents. Yes, yes. Uh, children, first of all, need, deserve, and have re every right to be in their family of origin, their mm -hmm. community of origin. That's how they identify, no matter what the family circumstances are. But for those children, and right now in this country, it's about 120,000 children, those circumstances were not able to be made safe enough for them to, to go home. And so a judge has permanently severed those parental rights, those biological parental rights, and now they're essentially legal orphans in this country. Um, so, but yes, 
we work very hard to make sure, even in some of the programs that we manage, um, uh, that reunification is always an option. If that family now is safe, if it was an issue of substance abuse way back when that the family, for whatever reason, couldn't conquer, but suddenly they have, then can we, can we find a way to reunify this, this child with that family? Absolutely. Family of origin is always best. Mm-hmm. First. And if that's not, if that's not possible, which right. a lot of times it's not, then that's when this other kicks in with finding, connecting them with adults who had that, that love in their heart that want to help these children. Absolutely. You mentioned the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption. I didn't realize that it focused on foster. Can you speak a little bit more about the, the foundation and its origin? Because I knew he was adopted. Did he go through the foster system or was, how did he end up with that mission? It was, it was very brief. So right. Um, uh, you know, our namesake, Dave Thomas, not only is famous for, and here in the Midwest, we know it a lot better than sometimes on the West coast is famous for the Wendy's company and Wendy's mm-hmm. hamburgers and frosties as, as, and Dave Thomas was adopted. He was adopted as an infant. Um, he spent a little bit of time in foster care when there was that transition from being, being given up for adoption and then going into a family. But his story uniquely parallels our, a lot of the children that we uh, focus on in foster care care, older children, children who some people think perhaps are unadoptable or too old to fit into a family. They've been in care as older youth or for so long. He, um, his adoptive mother passed away when he was relatively young. His father was a bit of an itinerant worker, so moving from place to place. And so he was frequently raised by his grandma, Minnie. And in fact, he left home at age 16 and just went out on his own. So not unlike some of our kids in foster care who kind of give up on themselves, they, they, they're frustrated with this notion of family because they haven't had the best shot in life. Um, you know, his life kind of paralleled those children, even though he was only in foster care briefly. He would also tell you, though, if he were still alive, it was because of the family that he had that he had that he was able to do what he did. So he understood the value of family, even though it was a challenge for him at times in his life. Um, so yes, he created the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption um, as he was getting toward the end of his active career as CEO of the Wendy's Company. Um, what's baked into the, the DNA of the Wendy's Company is this notion of giving back to the communities that have allowed them to thrive. And so created the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption, given his personal insight into the world of adoption, given the research they did at the time, at that time in 1992, when the organization was created, this, this conversation about foster care and foster care adoption was not a robust conversation in this country. Most people thought of infant adoption, international adoption, um, maybe even, you know, step parent adoption, but they weren't thinking foster care adoption, or if they did, they were thinking of it in a very negative sense with a, with a negative lens. So he thought this, this is an area where we can begin to perhaps bring some value to the conversation. Interestingly, he created us not as a corporate foundation or a family foundation, but as a nonprofit public charity because he realized, and he, he was so wise, realized that if we have to go out and find resources like every other nonprofit does, then we have to talk about this mission and we have to continue to elevate that conversation about children waiting in foster care, about the need for adoptive families and about the need to dispel the myths and misperceptions, but also talk about the reality that surrounds these children and families in foster care. So it's an incredible legacy. Uh, you know, we always talk about he left two great legacies to this country, an incredible business um, that lots of people enjoy, um, um, uh, you know, making sure that they dive in once a week or so and get a square hand 
hamburger, but he left this incredible legacy of the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption to focus on vulnerable children in the in the system. Well, that's a beautiful legacy for him. Yeah. And one of the things, as you mentioned, he's trying to raise awareness. What are some of the attitudes that he he found challenging to overcome? Yeah, you know, and and I think we still have that challenge today. And it's one of the pillars of what we do at the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption is to both increase awareness about children who are waiting to be adopted in this country, but also address things like, um, you know, we do every few years, we do a survey of Americans' attitudes on foster care and foster care adoption. And I'm still just caught breathless when we find that really a, a majority, it's a slim majority, but a majority of Americans believe children are in foster care because they've done something wrong, because they're juvenile delinquents, as opposed to, no, something's been done to them. They've been abused or neglected or abandoned. If they're If they've grown up in foster care and they're 15 or 16 years old, might they have some challenging behaviors? You bet, because of the kinds of traumas that they've experienced, because of the number of years they've been in care and perhaps moved from foster home to foster home to foster home. But they didn't cause this action of them being moved into foster care. Adults who were around them who should have kept them safe caused that movement. So we're trying to dispel this notion that children are responsible for the for for being in foster care we need to we need to change americans minds on that but i think just some simple things like um you know many americans believe it's just i i couldn't possibly adopt from foster care it's too expensive well the reality is and and i don't mean to demean the children when i say this but it's the least expensive kind of of adoption that one can mm-hmm. engage in we know you probably know you know infant mm-hmm. adoption international adoption can be 20 30 40000 dollars depending on the circumstances when a child's in foster care the state or the or the county holds custody of that child and so covers the majority of the cost. There may be some small fees that are embedded in a home study or something like that, but it really, we say it costs nothing to maybe a thousand dollars to adopt from foster care. Make no mistake, raising a child costs money. And so it's not that it's just free all along, but subsidies tend to follow these children in foster care as well until they're 18. So there is some financial assistance there are there are all kinds of different kinds of financial assistance. So we want to dispel that notion that if someone backs away from thinking about adopting from foster care because it's too expensive, well, that shouldn't be the, 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 the barrier that you might be thinking. And then this notion that these children are just too old to fit into a family, even if they're just, you know, the average age of a child waiting to be adopted out of foster care is about eight. We know from research that the day a child turns nine and they're in foster care, their likelihood of being adopted decreases significantly. And what that turns into is every year about 20,000 children in this country turn 18 and leave foster care without an adoptive family because of those barriers and those misperceptions of thinking, well, an eight-year-old, a nine-year-old, a 15-year-old couldn't possibly fit into a family. They're already formed, right? They're already molded into something. They already have their own set of belief systems that couldn't mesh with my family when nothing could be further from the truth. We do some signature programs, one of which is focusing exclusively on um, this harder to place child, I guess you can call it, teenagers, children with special needs, children in sibling groups, children who are opposed to adoption because they, they, they've just had such a rough shot in life that when a judge asks, do you want to be adopted? They say no, because one, they're teenagers and they want to assert their independence, but two, they, they have no reason to trust adults in their life. And so they'd rather just get out there and try it on their own. Anyway, we focus this uh, program 
with a with a model that we've created, an evidence-based model, that we've shown great success in getting just that population of children into safe and vibrant uh, adoptive families. So I think some of those things, I'm sorry, this has been a long-winded response to your question. What are some of those um, issues that Mr. Thomas was trying to address? It's those things. It's not too expensive. These children do deserve to be in a family, no matter what their age or their circumstance is, and know they're not there because they've created the problem. That's one of the things that really upsets me when I think about these kids and having the deck stacked against them because of a parent that's not been responsible, your heart goes out because of the trauma that they've experienced. As the audience knows, I adopted two boys uh, as infants. And we came to discover that that didn't mean there wasn't trauma involved. And we had to figure out how to navigate those challenges. And there are unique challenges with, with foster kids who have, because of court orders and because of parents who haven't just haven't parented right like they should that this trauma is affecting them and so yeah to to make sure people understand it's not their fault exactly it's not their fault and i've even told my boys you know the deck was stacked against you exactly and so your your heart goes out there are a couple of things that as you were talking i wrote down as far as the the financial stigma or misconception that this could be uh too costly I can speak to the fact that infant or international, I know of both, personally infant, that it can be pricey. Yeah. It can be pricey. There are resources that weren't available when we adopted that thankfully are, but I do know that it can be quite expensive. So that's good to know that there are financial resources to help facilitate the placement of these these foster children. Do you have... Uh, links to those resources on your website that I could put links to in the show notes? We do. We absolutely do. And we'll make sure that we we, we get those links to you. And we've got uh, a resource sheet that talks about the kinds of resources that are available to families who adopt from foster care. I mentioned Mm -hmm. that subsidies follow most of the children who are adopted from foster care. Um, There are, in some states, depending on where your audience members live, in some states there are tuition waivers for uh, children who've been in foster care or adopted after a certain age. Because some people think, wait, I couldn't adopt this 16-year-old because I haven't saved for college. And I want to make sure this child can go to college. Well, there are in many states help with that. Um, there's an adoption tax credit that folks can take advantage of, a federal adoption tax credit. Many states have state adoption tax credits. So lots of different ways that I think um, the costs, if someone thinks I just haven't prepared my life for an older child, there are also lots of the, the care portal that you, I'm sure you know about. You know, There are also lots of faith-based organizations and others that provide assistance to families that might just need an extra bed or might need, you know, some other kind of assistance to to make sure that this can be, if not as seamless, certainly a more streamlined transition from foster care into into an adoptive home. That was interesting that you mentioned uh, tuition for college and that kind of thing, because uh, just a couple of episodes ago, I had someone on to talk about uh, money and mental peace. And in that conversation, we we just broached the idea that are there special considerations for adoptive kids and there are yeah so that helps to to get them on a firm foundation for their future and so it's good to hear that that kind of stuff is available exactly there was another question that that occurred to me as you were speaking as well 
you probably have heard of the birth order when <laughs> you're adopting. Does that come into consideration with foster kids as well? And if you could explain a little bit more of that for my audience to understand. It, it, sure, it does. And I think it's more of we always counsel families to say, really do a deep dive. What is best for your family? What is best for you? And that's going to be what's best for the child. We certainly want to make sure that if you've got, you know, an, an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old in your family, and you really think that it's important that that oldest, that 10-year-old maintains being the oldest, then, then it, you know, for your family, it's probably not a good idea to think about a 14 or 15 year old. Um, if you think birth order is, is critical to, to the definition and, and sure, children begin to define themselves, right? On a number of things in a family and birth order is one of them. So, you know, always do that deep dive. What's, first of all, what's best for this child? That's going to be our, our first point of view. But if a family doesn't really dig deep and say, could I, could I handle siblings? Could I handle a child that has a, an identified special need? Could I deal with something that surfaces after I adopt? And, and just as you discussed, the layers of trauma that may not surface until a child perhaps turns 14 or 15 or 16 and suddenly becomes just really evident in how they're reacting to life. Can I, can I handle that? And so really do that deep dive before you make um, the commitment. But knowing that once you adopt that child, that child is yours forever. And of course, you'll do anything you can to make sure that that child is happy and can thrive. But it can be difficult and the, the, the circumstances can be difficult. So birth order is certainly one of those mm -hmm. things to take into consideration. For some people, it's not a big deal, but for others, it is. And, and you know your children best. Good. Well, that I've heard that when adopting and so it's good to know because sometimes you have biological siblings. And so yep. it's a consideration that needs to be uh, taken and not lightly. In Absolutely. When you do bring a, a foster child into your home, uh, do you have anything to offer our audience about how you would deal with the school systems that you are, these children are now finding themselves in? Because it might not be in the same area that they were raised. It might be a totally different school system. Are there ways that you can help help them navigate that part of the the challenge. Absolutely. And you have to become your child's best advocate. You have to be willing to stand up, to speak up, to be present, be vocal. You know, we all hope that we can just send our kids to school and they'll come home at the end of the day and everything's going to be fine. But again, for so many of these children, if they've moved multiple times, if their education has been a little bit lacking, depending on the circumstances where they were placed in foster care, or perhaps before they went to foster care, they may have, you know, been denied some, some things or just, just, not able to catch up in the way that they should have been able to because of all of the stressors in their life. So you have to be able to make sure that you've got direct contact with the teachers, with the administrators, understand where this child is, if they have any kinds of special needs and advocate for the kind of services that the school should have in place for that child. Don't let things lag. It can be very hard work. Um, but most school systems have the kinds of systems in place to 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 address it if they don't know about it or if you're not consistent in your approach and talking about it with with you know next year's teachers if it's elementary school or or the administrator or whatever it is then they're not going to know how to respond to a child they might just think is being 
you know, defiant or belligerent or, 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 or frankly, um, not interacting in a way that they would hope that a child would. Once the teachers understand what's behind it, um, and, and don't be afraid to ask for special tutoring, for special help, for, for special plans, you know, independent education plans, the kinds of things that will help this child because frequently they can't express what it is that's causing them to either recede from everyone else or to act out in front of everyone else. They don't understand and they're fearful of those kinds of reactions that they have as well. And think about trying to adjust to new friends, new schoolmates, new teachers, new sets of rules and regulations when they've perhaps moved three times before they moved into your house. Um, and so just being really cognizant and, and letting the child clue you in in ways that may not be vocal. They might be, they might be behavioral listening to that and understanding that. And don't be afraid. We talked about this before. Don't ever be afraid to ask for help. It is not an indicator of failed parenting. It's an indicator of strength. Ask someone else, ask someone, you know, start with your pediatrician, start with um, your caseworker, call your caseworker that you worked with for probably a year before this child was placed in your home and say, here's what's happening. Help get me connected to resources or someone that you know in the education world, in the in the therapy world, in the medical world, in my community that can help us with this situation because your first line of defense for helping your child is going to be the agency from that, that understood and knew that child and has a, a thick case file on that child if you didn't get all that information ahead of time. That's one of the things that, in retrospect, as I think back to when we adopted, we went through our home studies and we thought we knew everything we needed to know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, and I, I've said this before and I, I want to say this again, I am pro adoption. And even though we have faced challenges, we would do it all over again. We would want more knowledge and we would want more tools. Yes. And what I'm hearing you say is that part of the Dave Thomas foundation is to provide those resources so that these parents can Coming to this, this loving act with their eyes wide open yes. and know that there's help to navigate these different challenges. And so one of the things that I also heard you say is that, you know, you have uh, mental health sort resources too. And so again, all this is on your, your website, correct? Right, right. And we, and, and certainly if it's not specified there, someone can reach out to us. Welcome to reach out to me directly and we can connect you to organizations that we either help fund through our grants program or have helped. For example, there's a, a great organization, the Center for Adoption Support and Education that does just this very work, um, works with families who, um, are, are dealing with the trauma of, uh, are dealing with what their, the trauma their children are dealing with, uh, in a behavioral way. And so, they are training across the country in a very deliberate and, and evidence-based way um, adoption competency for mental health providers. Because you may go to a therapist, but they don't understand perhaps, you know, they're just a general therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they may be a family therapist. And here's some issues that, that you can work on. But they may not be cued into the dynamics of abuse and neglect, of adoption, of identity search that, that children go through, no matter if they were adopted as infants or if they were adopted as 16-year-olds, issues of grief and loss, all of those complex human things that get kind of mushed into this 
conversation of adoption, but an adoption competent mental health provider can help a family sort through all of that and begin to work on that, that perhaps just a generalist therapist can't. So yes, we can make connections to organizations like that who are, who are working on training these therapists all across the country. And we know where they're, where they exist and that they've gone through this uh, accredited kind of training program. That's just an example. Absolutely. That's perfect because that was one of the things that that we discovered with uh, our son when he was in residential treatment. There are some amazing people out there. You just have to know where to find them. Yeah, and they're few. Unfortunately, in some communities, they're few and far between. But Mm -hmm. I think we can we can certainly again. We've got a a program that's embedded in all fifty states and different organizations, so we can reach out to organizations that we've worked with. We can get folks connected to those. I think if they look on our Wendy's Wonderful Kids site, it's called Wendy's Wonderful Kids um, on our on our web page. You'll see agencies listed that we work with, and and we've worked with them, so we know that they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Perfect. Now we've, we've talked about challenges and I don't want this to in any way dissuade someone from adopting or considering foster parenting. It, because again, there is so many rewards to be gained from this when you are having that servant's heart and you want to give love to these kids who are, they're struggling for it. I mean, they're, they're they want it so bad. Can you, can you share some success stories with us? Some that will just help us to understand some of the the kids who have thrived in these situations and their families have thrived because someone took a chance on them. Can you share some stories? Absolutely. And, and, you know, there's nothing better than a video. Sometimes there are all kinds of success stories on our website, video success stories of families Mm -hmm. that were willing to share that, but I can think of a number of them. You know, one of them, it's so interesting. Um, There was this young man who, and he was probably eight or nine, been in care for a number of years, was very sort of drawn into himself. He was working with one of our our staff, our, our recruiters that we fund. Um, and she began to pull him out and began to talk to him, worked with him over a couple of years, actually. Um, and finally, um, got him to start talking about who are the people in his life, right? He couldn't go back to family members. Um, he didn't have any connections to family members that he would talk about, but he kept talking about this one young man, his best friend, his best friend, his best friend's family. And so finally the recruiter reached out to the best friend's family and said, I don't, you know, you may not know the circumstance of this child. He's, he's available for adoption. They didn't know he was available for adoption. They knew there were some things going on. Long story short, they made this match with this child, with this family and and his best friend. Um, the adoption worked. They're in the final hearing with a judge and the judge uh, is talking to this young man who's still pretty shy, but he's been pulled out a little bit. Um, and he asked the judge has to ask him a couple of times and has to ask him to speak up, but says, you know, what is it about this that's right for you? Do you want this adoption to happen? Because a judge should ask that of any child that that can that can respond uh, appropriately. And finally, he spoke, he looked up at the judge, looked him right in his eyes and said, with this adoption now, my best friend is also my brother. Uh, It was that kind of story that, you know, had this worker not been working with this child, they never would have found that match. The child might have lingered in care a lot longer because he wasn't the kind of child that's, you know, pushing for anything. He kind of quietly recedes into the background and people let those kids sit because they're fine, right? Rather Mm -hmm. than actively working for them. So there's that kind of story where this magic of who are the, the people that surround these children already? 
that can be a part of their lives. And when we can't find those, then yes, those people, as you say, that are drawn to be servants for, for children, for families, then let's, let's find those families as well. There are so many circumstances, you know, Tim, where we've seen a child who on record, on the child's record is written, this child is unadoptable. This child can never fit into a family. This child is extreme special needs and can't do the following, you know, can't read, can't do this, can't walk. As soon as we find them a family and get them into a supportive, loving family, I can think of at least three different circumstances. The child not only was misdiagnosed um, um, through years in care um, and probably over-medicated, but once they got into a family that could pull all that apart, work with professionals to help pull that apart, suddenly they're thriving in school. Um, they're, they're doing the kinds of things they should have been doing all along. It just took that surrounding of a loving and caring family. Um, or children who, who literally couldn't walk, not that they're out running across town, but because they've gotten the right kind of medical assistance now and therapy they're, and equipment, they're able to be much more mobile than they were in the past. Kids that would have stayed institutionalized for the rest of their lives are now thriving and, and in the best way possible that their body will allow them thriving and healthy. So we see that time and time and time and time again. We have uh, helped facilitate nearly 13,000 um, permanent placements of just those children who are in those categories of too old, too damaged, too dangerous, too resistant to adoption, and those children are in permanent homes. So we know it can happen, and it just takes, and it's going to take work with a lot of those kids, but it can happen, and we can provide the kind of future for these children that perhaps everyone else had given up on. Yeah, that's that's what's amazing, because I believe, and I know you believe, all children are precious. Yes. And if someone would just be willing to take a chance on them, yep. when they've been through what they've been through, the sky's the limit. The sky's and, the limit. And it's just, it just takes someone to be that advocate. Yep. yep. I, that's the word I, I kept hearing over and over and over. So if if someone has been listening to this and it's been on their heart to consider foster parenting, what would be the next step for them to do? I think there are two parallel next steps. They're always welcome to get onto our website, davethomasfoundation.org. There's a great resource. It's called a beginner's guide to adoption. You can download it. You can order a hard copy if you want that. And it'll just take you in a very general overview through the steps of what, what's, what do, what happens next? Do I want to foster? Do I want to foster to adopt? Do I want to adopt? What happens next and what can I expect out of this system? But I think parallel to that, depending on what com your community you're in, and again, we can give references to organizations, reach out to your local foster care adoption agency. It might be a public organization. It might be a private organization. It might be a faith-based organization. It just depends on how the, the system in your community functions in terms of foster care and adoption and begin to ask as many questions as you can and then sign up for that next round of, um, you know, there's always a training session for um, potential foster and adoptive parents. Sign up for that and get engaged in what does it take for me to become a foster or an adoptive parent? Um, but ask questions, ask questions, do your research. You've got to do a lot of research to find out who these organizations are. And what we counsel is if you make a call and, you know, they're busy, we understand, and they're understaffed, we understand. But if you make a couple of calls and you never get a return phone call, go to the next organization because that's probably not an organization that that is going to be 
um, responsive to your needs. So, mm-hmm. so really, again, be your own best self advocate. Once you have a child place, be your child's best advocate. Um, but, but reach out and get as much information as possible, perhaps starting with a beginner's guide to adoption and a call to your local agency. I realize that there, there are listeners that might not be in a position to adopt. Yes. How can they support other families who are adopting through foster, foster care? Great question. And there, again, in every in every community, there's an organization that deals with children in foster care or children waiting to be adopted. Mm-hmm. And there are all kinds of needs that they have. It might be you could train to become a mentor to a child. Don't have to make that step to foster adopt, but you could be a mentor or a volunteer. Um, sometimes they just have seasonal needs, like our children need school supplies or our children need Christmas gifts. And so you could step in and help with that. You can also just be a voice in your in your community, either through your place of employment or your church or wherever you are gathered with others. Talk about find out what the need is in your community and talk about it and see if there's something that that group that you naturally align with can do um, um, in terms of supporting your local agency. It might be fundraising. It might be um, 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 providing an event for children. Um, you know, it, there's so many ways to help, I think, uh, your local organization. If you're so moved and want to help the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption. You know, we're certainly always grateful for that. And um, as a nonprofit organization, you can, again, donate your your resources to the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption. But I would have people, you know, jump to your local organization first and see where that need is 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 greatest. And, and it, whether it's at a volunteer level, perhaps at a governance level, perhaps you can, you know, you like being on boards and they have openings for board members at that local agency. Whatever it is, there's a way to help. And sometimes it's just knowing what the situation is, what the need is in your community, mm-hmm. and then figuring out where your particular skills can be beneficial. Good. I, I'm hearing grassroots. Yes, absolutely. Good. These children live in communities. And again, yes. the national organization, we we are grateful for and, and encourage people to support us, of course. But these children live in communities, and that's where the need is profound. I'm, I'm so glad that you've been on here to educate us with the foundation and, and its mission and how that has become like an umbrella, if you will, to help shelter these families and these yes. children. The model for this show is do what you can now. And so I believe that if all of us will look within and figure out a way that we can do what we can to help these kids, it's just going to get back to you over Absolutely. and over and over. Absolutely. And so, I mean, I hear the passion in your voice. I know so many people who have adopted and and I know people who have fostered and I know people who would like to help, but just don't know how to help. But now they, now they know. So I'm glad that uh, you've been on the show. I want to thank you so much for joining me. I will put some of the links in the show notes so you can get in touch. How can they get in touch with you directly or is how, how does that go about if you want to give some information for that? Sure. Um, I think that my, my email may be linked on the website, but if it's not, and it, it's apologies for my name, but it's, so it's, it, this is a long email, but <laughs> it's first name Rita, R-I-T-A, then dot, last name Sorenen, S-O-R-O-N-E-N, at DaveThomasFoundation.org. It's a ridiculously long email, but you can, you can probably link through it through the website as well. Yeah. I can, I can put a, put that in the show notes too, right. but uh, I just wanted people to, to have access to the foundation, to you, and they can hopefully look within themselves and see how they can help. But uh, thank you again so much for joining me. I appreciate oh my it. gosh. 
Tim, thank you for all that you do. Thank you for using this vehicle as a voice for children and families. However, children, you know, come into this world, they need a family and, and those that are willing to step forward and, and assume someone that may not have come from them, but will come to them. We we applaud that every day. It's perfect. Well, we just all do what we can and we're going to help these kids out. So thank you again. Thank you so much. So good to see you. There is so much information in this episode, but don't worry if you didn't catch everything. You can always listen to the replay as many times as you need. I would like to encourage you. If you know of a person or a family who might be considering adoption or foster parenting, that you will share this episode with them. I believe just like Rita does, all children need a family. That's all for this episode. Until next time, this is Tim encouraging you to do what you can now. If this podcast has given you the courage and confidence to face storms in your life, the number one way you can thank me is to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend about the show. Take a screenshot of this episode and share it in your Instagram stories and tag me at Tim Maudlin. You can also connect with me in my Facebook group, Anchors of Encouragement. So until next time, this is Tim encouraging you to do what you can now.